0: You're listening to Elegant Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, LaVonda Sweeney as a melanated licensed professional counselor my goal is to help bring awareness to mental health issues impacting the black and brown communities while dispelling the stigma of mental illness through my service as a therapist as well as an adjunct psychology instructor i have the privilege of being a small part of people's life journey in a way that i do not take for granted it is with great passion that i bring elegant bloom podcast which educates empowers and inspires individuals to take control of their lives Therefore, taking control of their destinies. Greetings, greetings, and hey, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of Elegant Bloom podcast. I'm your host, LaVonda Sweeney, licensed therapist and adjunct professor, really looking forward to today's episode. So I hope that you are as well. hope you're just as excited as I am. Um, So today we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to discuss reasons why we as in the black and brown community don't. Um, go to therapy. We're going to talk about impacts of stigma. We're also going to discuss treatment options, and then we're going to close it out by me giving you some ideas of how to find the right therapist for yourself. And then we're going to, um, um during that time, we're going to talk about questions that you should ask. All right, so let's get started. So. There are many reasons why people in general don't go to therapy, right? I mean, we can probably come up with, you know, 20 or 30 reasons off the top of our heads if we sit sit long enough to think about it. Um, but very specifically, there are some, some pretty common, pretty core reasons why black and brown people don't seek therapy. And so that's what we're going to start this episode out um, by, t- by talking about. One of the most common, um, reasons why or factors that contribute to us not seeking therapy is stigma and judgment. So stigma, if you just do it, you can just do a really quick, um, or a very simple Google search. And if you don't know what stigma means, if you've never heard of that term, um, a simple definition is, is of stigma is a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. So, and when we put stigma into the context of mental health and as I mentioned in my last and in, in, in the first episode stigma is a big thing in the mental health field in general we're creepingly slow to change that but um, for the most part, it's, it's it's still there. There's still a lot of um, unknowns and mis- misinformation about mental health. But very specifically for the um, black and brown communities, the stigma of mental illness is still very much real and very much alive, which contributes to us not seeking help. We don't we don't seek therapy. We don't. Um, Seek any, any type of help and a lot of times we suffer in silence we don't really talk about what we're going through and that's a lot of that has to do with the stigma of it and so in other ways to describe stigma or other other um, things that come along with stigma is shame guilt disgrace dishonor those types of things so when we think about so think about your understanding of what mental health is Have you always understood it for what it really is? Are there some um, stigmatizing thoughts or beliefs that you may have about mental illness? Um, And if so, it's very important to recognize so that you can deal with some of these things. The best way to do that, to be honest with you, is to be is to educate yourself. Learn as much as you possibly can about mental health and mental illness and therapy so that you have a more informed um, uh, excuse me. That way, you can make a more, more of an informed decision when it comes to your your personal needs. So stigma is a really big thing, um, and it keeps us out of therapy. We we we're embarrassed. Um, and so so just to just to kind of add to that, I, I want to talk a little bit about a little bit more about stigma and how it negatively impacts us or impacts our decision to go to therapy. So if we think that you know, mental, mental health therapy is bad, then we're less likely to go. So one book um, that I'm reading, and I really wanted to take uh, time in this podcast to also highlight this, this textbook, excuse me, it's not a textbook. Um, It's, it's not a clinical book either. It's actually written by a psychologist. Her name is Dr. Rita Walker. The name of the book is The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. So again, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. Navigate an unequal system. Learn tools for emotional wellness and get the help you deserve. This is a really, really great book. I have not finished it, but she has got some really great nuggets in it. So I really wanted to re- um, do a very, very, very brief overview of this book. It is really great. Any, It's, it's for any and everybody, um, even if you're not a clinician. And actually the way it's written the way Dr. Walker writes the book, it's very clear that she wrote this book for the community um, to better educate us on uh, mental health and mental illness. And she talks about how to find the right therapist. And so, so we're going to cover some of those things um, in, in this episode. But I like a lot of the things that I've read so far. Like I'm really excited about about this book. Um, and so one, one major thing that kind of exacerbates stigma um, is our common misconception or misunderstanding of therapy and and mental health and, and mental illness um, as, as a whole and so that typically keeps us out so what are so what are some common misconceptions or some common um, myths that kind of um, that kind of play along excuse me play into that stigmatizing thought process about um, about mental health Have you ever, if, if, if you haven't said it maybe you've thought it maybe you've heard someone say it but what is one if you can think of one common thing that people have said have said over the years about mental illness or seeking help or therapy one of the most common things that you will hear is that therapy is for crazy people not true therapy is for people you don't have to suffer from a chronic severe psychotic disorder Um, to seek therapy you don't have to be so depressed that you've attempted to kill yourself two times and you've been locked up in a hospital before that's obviously those are those are issues that need treatment but therapy is for everybody Um, and I personally and professionally believe that everybody can benefit on some level um, from therapy so again let's deal with some of these misconceptions and the the first main one is you got to be crazy to go to therapy not true at all um another thing that's really really prominent um across black and brown communities or black and brown cultures and so we're talking about african american um hispanic or or latinx um you know any anybody anybody from those um diasporas um we don't we don't tell our business you know what's what's one of the it's one of the um things that your grandma or mother or great aunt or great grandmother would say. Whatever goes on in this house stays in this house. Secrets that uh, secrets that are kept in our ha- in our homes in our communities, um, not single handedly, but but play a great they play a huge part in our continued struggle and issues with trauma and mental health issues in our community because we're not talking about it you don't go and tell the neighbor what's going on you don't run to school and tell your teacher what happened in this house last night even if it was traumatic for you and so that's the message that we've always received well I don't want to necessarily say always but um, it's very common very very common in our communities where we keep secrets and a lot of these secrets are, are very damaging, very traumatic, very psychological, um, psychologically damaging and mentally damaging experiences. And we're not allowed to tell anybody. And so that's that's another really common factor that that keeps us out of therapy. We don't want to tell our business. Another thing that I've, and I've actually heard this, um, from my from some of my African-American, um, clients and I, and I am seeing a growing number of African-American and Latina or Latino, um, clients coming, coming in to, to, see me, which I'm really excited about that. So, um, but one thing, um, that I always do. And when I first have, when I first meet someone, we have a phone consultation. I always ask that person, what what are your fears? And, Um, about therapy, what are your concerns? And it's not uncommon for me to hear out of a, um, out of a black or brown um, person's thought process is they don't want their business getting out in the streets. Um, They don't, you know, especially if they live in a smaller town, Um, or, you know, the office is located in a very you know, popular area. They think they may be seen, but, but more importantly, there's a misconception that therapists are going around town, um, telling, telling your business. That's not true. In fact, there, we have legal and ethical laws that we have to abide by when it comes to confidentiality. So think about this, just like your, you know, ju- just in this in the situation, if let's say you decide to call your mother's doctor's office and you wanted to know the results of her last test, will they give you that information without her written consent? Absolutely not. Um, if you call your um, your husband's dentist and you're not, you there's no consent form. There's nothing written. For you and you call and say hey I just want to you know just want to check on his progress and, and, and see you know see how his teeth are share some information out of his file do you think they'll do it no and it's the same thing with therapy we again we are held by legal and ethical laws that we have to follow um, if we don't follow then there, obviously there's a, there's a very serious issue um, that we have, an, have um, agency and licensing boards to, to deal with but as a general rule across the board your information is protected your mental health information is protected in the same way that your medical or your dental or whatever else um, information all of the information falls under that protected health information and so it's not something that we can just go talking about like hey look there's my there's my client hey i see so and so as, as a client that is absolutely unethical and illegal, um, in, in many states. So I wanted, I always take the time to, um, listen to those concerns, validate those concerns, and then help the person, um, understand that that's, that the confidentiality is very, we take confidentiality very seriously. We do not, without your written consent, you have to sign a form that states that you give a specific permission to talk to a specific person um, about specific issues. Um, let's say you did sign a consent form for your husband to call and ask about therapy. Even if you, even if you have that consent form, um, that he can call the therapist, the therapist is still um, responsible for only sharing pertinent information in other words it is our at our discretion how much information we disclose okay um so that's so that's another um thing that i wanted to touch on um just just to let you know another thing that goes along with the lack of understanding or misinformation is we don't understand that there's actually um help out there we don't realize that there are black therapists. That black therapists do exist. Black psychologists and psychiatrists do exist. We're out here, um, in a in a really large number, and continually growing. Continually growing. Um, in my particular area, um, demographically, I know quite a few. Many, too many to count. Um, I know a, a lot of African American um, female. Therapist. There are male therapists. The numbers are not as great for male therapists as there are for female therapists. Historically and statistically speaking, um, therapy is a, pri- a predominantly female um, led industry, but there are African-American men out there. There are therapists out there too. You know, if you, if you're a man and you feel more comfortable talking to a man, then there, there are options out there. So I, I did want to remind you of that as well a couple of other reasons that i wanted to briefly discuss so that we can move on Um, i try to keep my my podcast um, 30 minutes or less hopefully no more than 45 so i want to um, move along because i've got so much information to cover and i hope that i can get it all in um, in in the right amount of time all right so another factor that keeps us out of therapy um, has a lot to do with our culture Um, And and not just us being African-American or Latina or um, Hispanic, whatever, whatever term you want to use, um, depending on the ethnicity and and what part of the the world they're from, um, that term may vary. But so it, it has a lot to do with the with with our with our the lack of understanding that we that we don't really think that there are people out there. Um, that can understand us. And that's why its so it was really important for me to let you know that black therapists do exist culturally speaking, um, because we're where you know we live in the country that we live in, we are more susceptible to racism, prejudice, prejudice, discrimination, um, and other things that that impact us culturally. So we um as a as a collective group, and and I'm and I'm saying this because I have, um, clients who are from Venezuela and Cuba, um, Mexico. And so even people from those areas, even, even those clients from those backgrounds have the same understanding or thought process when it comes to seeking therapy. Um, they typically will request a person of color. Because they do not feel that a that a that a Caucasian person or a Caucasian therapist will be able to relate to them and really understand their issues, um, uh, that's which is another thing that Dr. Walker talked about in her book, The Una, Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. She talked about this um, in in one of her chapters, and as I'm recording. I, I don't remember exactly where uh, which chapter it was in, but she talked about that. I like how she mentioned it in, in her book. I actually was able to find it really quickly. It's on page 180 if you have the book. But it, it, it's, it's talking about um, you know our need or our understanding or our desire to seek therapy from um, an African-American or a person, that, a person of color that looks like us or that can identify with us and it she talks about how because again because of the culture and the, and the life that we live in um you know we we feel like we may be judged or we can't fully be ourselves so i like the way that she she um she worded it so i'm just going to quickly read you a couple a couple lines um out of this out of this textbook so she says you would not want to subject yourself to yet another space where you have to pretend to not be you avoid your african-american vernacular to speak standard english or even worse have your therapist act like she doesn't see you as black and i think that that is one of the main reasons why most people of color seek therapy from a person of color because we we don't have to there's a mask that we don't have to wear We're, we're able to speak how we speak kind of let it all hang out, if if you would, without feeling like we're being judged based on how we look at, speak, etc. And so again, I think that's another really important um thing to understand. So the next thing that I want to talk about um that keeps us out of therapy is our our belief or misconception. Well, um, it's not really a misconception, but um, is that therapy isn't ex- is, is very expensive. Um, and also adding into that, the lack of, um, health insurance coverage, many, many commercial and Medicaid plans offer behavioral health coverage. So if you're considering therapy, be sure to call your insurance company or go online. Most, most, most in most um, cases, you can find a lot of this information online, um, which are through your insurance company's website, but find out see if they cover behavioral health see what parameters are placed on it see how many if there's a certain number of sessions see if there's a co-pay deductible you want to ask all of these questions so that you can make plans financially to be able to afford it also keeping in mind that there are a lot of therapists out there that offer a sliding fee scale for those for for people who don't have insurance and need need to pay out of pocket or for those who don't want to use their insurance and so they, they opt to pay out of pocket though there, there's also um, an opportunity um, across the board from many therapists who offer a reduced fee um, for, for therapy. Sometimes you can find some pro bono, um, some, some therapists that will offer pro bono sessions. Typically when you see that you're talking about a limited number of sessions. However, if you're able to take advantage of an opportunity of two or three pro bono sessions, I'd say go for it. That's better than not having any sessions at all. So that's so that's another thing to consider. While therapy can be expensive, let's let's be real. Let's be honest. And you know, as as a therapist, I'm I'm going to be honest. Therapy can be expensive, it's an investment is an investment into your well-being your psychological and mental health and your overall well-being so it's so if you if you can kind of look at it like that where it's it's a it's a it's an investment where you're taking care of yourself to make your yourself in your life and the in the life of your loved ones you know your children or your husband whoever you're connected to directly it's it's an investment to help make that the quality of life better um, for you, help you to solve some problems and things like that. So yes, while it is, it can be pricey. It is a, it is a, is a worthwhile investment. Typically speaking without a sliding um, scale fee and depending on the state that you're in, an average therapy session could run you between $60 per hour up to probably about 120 per hour give or take depending again on many different factors the the therapist rates the standard um um i guess it's, i guess you would call it market rate um you know the type of therapy you're, you're you're um you're in so there's many factors that contribute to it but um but again it it is it is an investment Um, And it can be worth your while. All right. Lastly, I want to talk about another really big topic in our communities that that while it's not always a negative thing, it can negatively negatively impact our understanding of mental health. And it could also keep us out. If you think that I'm going to talk about church, then you're right. That's exactly what I'm going to talk about. So. Without getting on the soapbox and staying there for way too long, um, religious and spiritual beliefs are an important factor in our communities, right across the board. So we're not, you know, obviously there are people in our communities that that, that don't adhere to any religious or spiritual background, but just that, Let's we're talking about it in on a general term. Generally speaking, in the in the um, black and brown communities, church and religion and spirituality is very important so much so that it can keep us out of therapy when we may really need it what that simply looks like not simply but you know the one example of what that looks like is if you are you go to your to your mother and you say you know what mama i am struggling i'm sad every day i'm depressed i'm crying for no reason i'm not hungry anymore i can't really eat Um, I, I don't feel like getting out of bed. You know, every time my phone rings, I'm annoyed. I'm, you know, I'm on edge with my children. I'm, I'm angry. I feel irritated. I can't sleep well. I think I'm depressed. And she looks at you and she say, well, baby, you just got to pray. Just, just pray about it. God, God going to fix it for you. Just pray about it. And you pray a little harder. You have a little faith. You have a little faith. You'll be all right. That can be dangerous. Wow. And, and again, I, as I said this on, on my first, on the first episode, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to do as much as I can to be my authentic self. Um, so you're going to hear me switching in and out of, you know, therapy, therapy, um, mode and just giving you my, my, my real, real, um, that can be dangerous. You know, as, as a, as a believer myself, I understand, um, why that's important to hear. But I also as a therapist fully understand that sometimes prayer isn't effective for people and people who are struggling. So take the depression example that I just gave. Let's say this this woman takes takes that advice from her mother and she spends the next month, every night, every morning she wakes up, she's praying. And at the end of that month, she still feels the same. What do you tell her? What now? In no way, shape, or form am I saying that religion and spiritual beliefs are harmful to your mental health. What I'm saying is, is in a lot of cases for people who are, that is their only outlet. That is the sole way, the only way that they combat their mental health issues or their depression it can be unproductive. It can lead them down a path of now they're questioning their faith. Now they're questioning, am I, do I really love God? Is God real? Is God listening to me? Am I a bad Christian or I'm a bad Catholic or a Protestant, whatever. And, am I a bad follower or believer because God is not, he don't hear me. He ain't listening to me. I've been praying, I've been praying about this thing and it's not working, I still feel the same. Um, And so, that's that's something that we have to talk about. We have to address it. How do we fix it? My personal and professional uh, belief is education. Let's educate the churches on mental health. I think that the churches, especially talking about these old school um, churches with with the old school theology, where they don't understand mental health. And so all they know is to pray. Lay hands, get some holy y'all, you know, anoint your forehead, you know, anoint your body and you know, you'll, you'll get healed and you'll feel better. Great. That's great. You know, and for, and for, and for many people that actually may be the case. They may be delivered from their depression. They may be delivered from their anxiety. They may go to God, um, in prayer and fasting and they may feel better. But what about the ones that don't? How can therapy be beneficial for them? It teaches them practical natural tools to use in addition to their prayer life and their and their spiritual um, life. And so, I, I wanted to take a minute to just really get real with you um, and say that the churches, the church as a whole, not just talking about Christian churches, I'm talking about in general don't have enough information and knowledge and understanding of mental illness and mental health to effectively help, um, their, their parishioners every now and then I will read about a church who, who has begun to implement some of these things. Every blue moon, I'll hear a pastor mention depression, suicide, mental illness but but we don't we don't hear about it enough in, in, in our places of worship. So that's a, that's those are some um, very common reasons why we do not seek therapy. All right, y'all. So now let's let's move on and let's discuss some treatment options. Now, while this information is not all um, inclusive, it's not an exhaustive list um, of of therapy or excuse me treatment options. It is it is these are the probably some of the most common um, treatment options. Uh, that are available to us so we have individual therapy which is that's you it's just you and your therapist or psychiatrist you just you're sitting there um and you're talking um now when we think about psychotherapy or therapy or counseling we're we're talking about it from a licensed um, therapist some either a licensed marriage and family therapist licensed social worker licensed professional counselor licensed addictions counselor List. I'm probably forgetting a few. Um, so we're typically talking about a therapist. When, you, when you're a psychiatrist, you're typically not doing therapy with your psychiatrist. Your psychiatrist is usually, um, they'll usually do an assessment, a full assessment, um, come up with a diagnosis and typically give you medication and continue to monitor your, medication, your and medications and your symptoms throughout. Psychiatrists don't typically do do the work um, as far as the therapeutic work. Um, that's usually the therapist. So there's individual therapy which is you and your therapist and there's couple there's couples therapy and then there's marriage therapy um to see if you're looking if you're someone who's looking for a marriage therapy um for you and your spouse then it's going to be very important for you to find a therapist that is a licensed marriage and family therapist so um If you want marriage therapy or family therapy i would really highly recommend a licensed marriage and family therapist as their training and education they're specialized in that type of therapy other therapists can um conduct some type of therapy with you and your spouse but typically we you know we like me as a licensed professional counselor or lpc um i don't advertise that i do marriage therapy because i don't do it because i'm not a marriage i'm not a licensed marriage and family therapist so credentialing is, is, is important um as well making sure that you you find find what you're looking for um, as far as the therapist, and we'll talk about that in just a few there's also group therapy um I'll, you'll see a lot of group you'll see a, a lot of group therapy in inpatient settings or hospital settings or um rehabilitation settings so but there are other options there's women's groups there's grief groups there's trauma groups there's all types of outpatient groups Um, for you. So then there's, again, so I mentioned family. Um, There's also in-home therapy. So um, for for a short period of time, I did some in-home therapy. wasn't really my favorite thing to do. If I'm being honest, as a therapist, really wasn't my favorite thing to do. It had nothing to do with the client the client caseload. Um, it had a lot to do with really my comfort comfortability being in un- someone a stranger's home. That that was that for me was a was a challenge. But um, I did learn. A, I did get a lot of experience, and I can see the value. Um, of it, so there's in-home therapy, which very simply means that the therapist actually comes to your home. Um, and now, and now with with you know COVID-19, we're seeing more and more. We're seeing across the board almost 100 percent for a lot of therapists um, teletherapy um, or telemental health, where you you know you do it live on a, on a video using your phone, tablet, laptop, or or, or desktop. Um, so this, so obviously, so, so again, there, uh, there's ther- there's, excuse me, teletherapy. There's also inpatient therapy where, um, where you can be seeking psychiatric treatment, um, treatment for, which, you know, which you're going to be dealing with psychiatric issues such as, you know, um, bipolar depression, um, mood, uh, other mood disorders, panic disorders, you know, OCD, schizophrenia. So those are some of the issues that are t- being treated in inpatient, um, drug and alcohol use. If I, if I didn't mention that one as well. So there's all in there's outpatient out and in, okay, let me make sure that's this understood inpatient and residential, um, can be one and the same. There's also, um, and that means that you go to a facility and you stay there for a period of time. Before you, before you leave um, and finish treatment to go back home. Then there's outpatient. That simply means you go to, a, uh, to an office for your appointment. After the appointment's over, you leave and go back home. Outpatient. Um, you also have psychiatric treatment, which I mentioned a little, a little while ago. And you also have EAP, um, which is Employment Assistance. So uh, another thing that's really important, I think it's really great is that a lot of companies um, across the United States have EAP or employment assistant programs where they the company actually pays for so many sessions with the therapist. Guidelines are still the same as far as confidentiality. Obviously, um, you know, they're not going to call your employer and say hey I'm seeing Shonda for depression that's not typically how it works um but but you know so this is so if you are if you have if you work a job um and you are looking for therapy see if your your company offers 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 EAP In, in a lot of situations um the company actually outsources and so there are a lot of therapists in the community that are um registered or certified eap therapist um and so they they'll they'll get all the referrals and so you'll go to a separate office separate building um to to do therapy so those are some common ones individual couples therapy marriage group therapy family in-home therapy inpatient outpatient psychiatric treatment eap Um, those are some of the very common types of treatment um options that are there that are there Adding to that is um, medication. Medication is also a treatment option if if it is necessary. So in order to determine whether or not you would benefit from some type of medication, whether it's from whether it's for um, psychotic disorders, delusional disorders, depression, anxiety, any other mood um, disorders, anything like that. So if you if you think that you may benefit from it, that is something that you and your therapist and um, our psychiatrist or a family doctor can can discuss. There's so much more information to talk about. Um, I, have, I have got a, a truckload in, of information in my brain and, I'm, and I want to give it all to you right now, but I, I know we just don't have time. So you'll just have to stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. All right, y'all, that concludes part one of Black Therapists Do Exist. Please stay tuned for part two.